Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. I'm Tom Scholey. And I'm Uncle Warren. <laughs> Before we dive into today's video, I want to remind everyone that we have a Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon now. Three different levels out there to suit whatever your uh, fandom levels are. You'll get access to our videos early, beat the Kayfabe effect with that. And at a King Kayfaber level, you actually get to sit in on our recording sessions and give us some feedback and input as we prepare for some of the special guests that we've had over the last uh, several months and moving forward. We are also presented to you by the books that we make. You can see our bibliographies here. I have Hulk Grand Design, Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, and The Plain Janes available now. Coming in May from Image Comics is Street Angel, Princess of Poverty. You can pre-order that one now wherever you buy our books. Ed Piscor has two volumes of Red Room already available. Third volume is coming out and ready for pre-order two issues up for that. That is Crypto Killers. You can see a little preview here of those covers. Issue number one, including a variant sketch cover for all you psychos out there that want to draw your own. Oh, Jimmy, get that one off there. Whoa, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's your preview for Red Room Crypto Killers number two. The other big announcement from Ed Piscor this year is Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus coming out in time for the holidays, but time to start pre-ordering that one now. Over 120 extra pages in that volume it'll be the size of the marvel omnibuses so a perfect gift book or a perfect time to jump into hip-hop family tree if you haven't done so already tom's latest book i am stan the graphic biography of stan lee a masterpiece that i'm excited i've gotten to read that one ahead of time and it's brilliant that is available for pre-order now from tom shioli a perfect pairing with his jack kirby biography and you can catch him on youtube on his show the total recall show with all of that said we are going to be looking at Mad number 17. <laughs> At this point, Harvey Kurtzman and company are in complete control of their powers. Yes. And we start that out, obviously, here on the cover. Read it out loud. <laughs> Attention, this issue is going to change your whole viewpoint of Mad. And uh, sure enough, <laughs> once you open it, it definitely does that. So really fun. These Mad comics, that Kurtzman run, often he was doing amazing things on the, yes. from the cover in you know playing with formal stuff without compromising any of the quality or the humor or anything and really just it feels like having an innovative blast you can mm -hmm. you can watch the growth like like we're going to yeah. end up doing all of the uh, the, the Kurtzman Mads because to me that's that's canon yeah, uh, sure. in, in yeah, American yeah. comics and and you hear references from you know Alan Moore using yeah. the Harvey Kurtzman playbook for Watchmen and things and, and we could show the exact examples of what Moore is talking about but when you look through all of them you see how the buying temperature gets high like like Kurtzman couldn't try this on issue two because because games would be like Pump the brakes, son. Right, yeah, like, sure. But when those numbers start coming in, and uh, listen, Gaines was also editor of like all the other books along with Feldstein, and this one starts creeping up in terms of sales on all of them. He's got to let the guy do do his thing. I don't know if Kurtzman even is thinking this way by issue two. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he starts figuring out like we're deconstructing comics and we're playing with the form in all these ways, and your brain goes into that space where now like your brain's thinking that way. And I feel like. I bet you this is one of those ideas that wasn't even there yet, you know, in those first couple issues. The, the cover but as time goes on. Yeah, and one thing I want to point out, this is November <clears throat> November 1954, so it came out like August, September, somewhere in there. And by this point, the comics code was already starting to get deployed. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't have a comics code on it. Yeah. Okay. And then it will be like, you know, five issues from here or so uh, when it has to, it pivots and changes yeah, it to, to, ma yeah. to magazine format. And, and one other thing, so yes, when looking at it this way, th this is one of his spoofs, but think about you're reading this like on the subway. 
totally okay. genius. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And and so, you know, you're, you're basically go ahead, go ahead and flip it over. So the, so the reality is this is what people are seeing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. From, <laughs> yeah, you can do you know, this because this is what we get out uh, of the negative feedback of how dare they handle those comics <laughs> yeah. like that. It's a, it's a comic book. Come on, people. Okay. And so anyway. Uh, now, something that occurs to me here. I wonder if Spiegelman got the idea for the name for Raw from the idea of turning mad upside down, because you turn the mad logo upside down, it, it kind of looks like Raw. That's, that's you know? really yeah, fine. Right, sure. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say even, it's yeah. almost double entendre, because you're not just uh, flipping this like literally you're turning it upside down, but also it's almost that deconstruction of comics, where like we're changing the way you even think about that, what that's this right. form is. That, that's right. And, and that's it's right. all indicative in this issue. I mean, we're starting to get photo, you know, photo play and things like that in here. Uh, this is the homework piece right here, and this will not be the only time we look at well, this particular story because we have that mad yes. artist edition with the scans of the original artwork. Right, now, and I would argue with you as to whether or not this is the hallmark piece. Okay? For this issue? For this issue, yeah. Okay, Excellent. okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it later. A and fight. I, and, yeah, 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 let's do it. And, and I will have my reasons for saying that. Don't get me wrong, this is great. Yeah, I'm, and I'm talking uh, specifically formal comics play. Yeah, so you see here, Bill Elder is, is our artist here on page one of Bringing Back Father. And up, up to six... 16 issues up to this point, very traditional. Yes. Elder will draw this story, Hollywood will draw that story, John Severin will draw this story, and then, uh, yeah, you know, you could have Russ Heath or, you know, Cartoonist X draws, you know, the fourth one. Well, and, and I want to show you, so look at the way he signed it. All yeah, right? just, just So this is dude. very indicative. So George McManus started bringing up Father circa 1919 or something like that. Great illustrator, great, great cartoonist, okay? Very dense um, panels that he had when, when he really wanted to get into, especially on the Sunday pages. And he was an, he was an expert letterer, okay? I mean, he, he, was, he could letter like you wouldn't believe. And so this is basically playing off how McManus would letter things or sign things. Okay? Sure, yeah, which, which they would, they would uh, you know, they would parody everything. And I feel like there might even be some shots called at uh, Harold Gray right here because you know that is that is how Homeboy was drawn with That's the right. blank eyeballs and then probably a little later comes little Orphan Annie. Well, and and we should describe this. So so Daddy Warbucks for the, those people that don't know about Little Orphan Annie, Daddy Warbucks was basically the ward of Little Orphan Annie, and so this is why for the tenth time I am not your Daddy Warbucks. <laughs> uh, okay, and it says, but your eyes are round, white, blinked out circles, just like my Daddy <laughs> Warbucks. Okay, so you know that that's a very explicit thing to and, point and out. The, and the idea of this strip is. When you really think about some of the things that we look at in terms of slapstick and what we're laughing at, if you think about it literally, it's not that funny. Uh, and there's the old, you know, it might have been Groucho or somebody, maybe the Three Stooges that talked about slapstick. They talk about it on Stern a lot where it's like to sprain an ankle is funny, but to break an ankle is not funny. Yeah, but okay. So so th this is where historical perspective has to come into play, all right? Yes, from here in the third decade of 21st century, those kinds of things don't seem funny. But to the people And it is funny to me, by the way. Yeah, well, I I, I, I agree with you on that. So, but to the people in 1954, a lot the people would have understood a lot of this because bring up father was still being was still in the newspapers, although McManus had passed away by that point. So, uh, and, and so to give everybody some background, Bringing Up Father was all about Jiggs uh, and his wife, Maggie, and his daughter. There's, there's the wife, there's the daughter. Jiggs was basically a blue-collar guy who found himself into a lot of money. 
and his wife wanted to be the climber. He just wanted to go out and drink with his beer-drinking guys over at uh, uh, Dinty's Bar and Grill. And Dinty's Stew was named for the bringing up father. Did not know that. That yes. happens so much, man. Yeah. Like that, it just ex explains like like how popular the strips were. The, uh, the um, amazing Dagwood popular. sandwiches, right? You know, just exactly. like all all sorts of yeah. pop culture stuff comes from the comic strips. I'll add this, and it doesn't really help this issue in any way. But but bringing up father, one of those American strips that goes to Japan early on, mm. and is oh, often yeah, cited right. yeah. in like manga, manga, and these oh, different places being influential on the development of certain uh, yeah. some of the comics stuff in Japan. So All right. a hugely influential piece. The other thing that I always think of with this strip is like honeymooners. Mm -hmm. Yes, you know, right. Yes. You kind of yeah. have that threat of. Um, I hate to say domestic violence, but well, with, it they're is pretty belligerent. That bangs him to the moon. Like I mean, he's saying he's going to paste her one. Yeah, but but that that's where a lot of people lose it. Is that they they say, oh well, that's hostile and stuff like that. It says no, no, no. You don't you don't understand. He would never ever do that. Okay, right. and she knows he would never ever do that. Here it's also reversed. So because he liked to go out and party and get with his buddies and do whatever, his wife was always, you know, you worm, I'm going to throw this. And so what we have here is, is the comics view of what's going on. And then we bring in Bernie Krigstein. Yeah. To give us yeah. the realistic interpretation. Right, exactly. So okay. smack him with the plates. Now let's see what that looks like. And we are just going to see, uh, Krigstein, first off, perfect guy for this, yes. right? Yes. yes. Couldn't do better. Perfect. And he, and he really plays it up. He, he does his best, almost ghastly Graham Ingalls uh, of, of the thing with these like black pulls around the eyes. He looks like a bloated drunkard. Yes. Yes, right. Well, and that's really what he is. Yeah. <laughs> even with the use of the duo sh or, or the screen tones to like even add shadows. Like this is a dark world. Yeah. Yes. The reality yes. of this funny situation is really dark. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like Miller. It's like Dark Knight Returns or something. Yes, I mean, exactly. It's, it's the master race guy. Right. Doing right. his interpretation. It's it's one more of those for as as small as Krigstein's contribution, a couple pages in the story, it's a significant piece of a giant who just doesn't have that large page count under his belt, and yet hugely influential Krigstein. Well, isn't this like the blueprint for 80s superhero comics, where you just take this cartoony language and try to yes, push exactly. it to a That's amazing to think of that when yeah. we think of Alan Moore being influenced yeah. by Kurtzman, and then this story in particular with your vision of superheroes. Wow. Yeah, this, yeah. this is like one of the Kurtzman tropes. You know, every video is somebody's first video, Jimmy, so you might just want to go back and just mm -hmm. kind of show the that Kurtzman will take like an isolated panel and do callback humor. Yes, repetition. Yeah. yeah. Which we would see more pick, pick that stuff up on a lot of other cartoonists totally. that came through this. Right, and um, you know, you, you look at this and there is no sunlight in here. It's all in the darkness. It's all domestic violence flipped on its head because normally, and especially in this time, um, men were beating their wives. Listen, man, you don't get the dinner on the table. You're, you're, you're catching a fair one back in those days. So graphic, too, like seeing the impact of some of these things. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, mm. and he's this got, one of the rolling pin, the traditional rolling pin. And, okay. he, and he's got color on, on the head right there. That's you know, right. He's, he's got the crimson mask uh, starting to happen from and, getting split open. And look at this. You know, he's missing teeth. Look, a tooth knocked out. Okay, all this stuff. And so... This is also a commentary on domestic violence at that same time, flipping it on its head to show the brutality of and the it, whole And thing. in 54, like, the, the culture's probably just starting to talk about that a little bit more. Like, going to psychologists is getting to be less and less stigmatized. Uh, and this, you know, is coming out, this is coming out simultaneously with the rest of the EC line, where they are very directly addressing, like, serious, you know, societal societal problems right do you guys know any backstory of how kurtzman or who, whomever decided like we'll have two artists do this like it's it's so no. unusual of a choice it makes me wonder if did they start with just one and then decide like 
that's not quite there. Like, like the way to get there is to have two different artists and, do it. And that's the thing too, because like uh, Bill Elder is a fantastic mimic. Uh, that's like one of the things you discover when uh, you go through the Mads and you see Elder play with uh, a bunch of different styles and tropes and things. But there's always a little cuteness to it. Uh, you know, Robert Crumb calls it the cuteness curse that he learned from doing American greeting cards and things. And Elder has a little cuteness. Uh, his most grisly, like, war books with John Severin yeah. are still too, um, have too much polish. Mm -hmm. Like, you need something like this. Like, that's why I was thinking, like, of course, Crickstein's a great choice, but Ingalls could have been plugged in here also. Yes, right. Uh, right. E e editing and delegating are like skills too that you get better and better at and Kurtzman is like getting better and better at that and so he's starting to sort of play the artists like instruments themselves always has yeah, yeah. for sure always has yeah, yeah it's always not made too the far from trip. just having you know three or four stories in, in in any single issue and figuring out like the different artists that are great at these mm -hmm. stories so it's not that big of a stretch but it's still a little bit of a formal innovation that we might take for granted but I don't know anybody else was doing something like that at the time, like like pretty genius. I was lingering here to show this panel, and then Ed, you had mentioned the callbacks, and I yeah, feel like, like now we're seeing that it. panel, but interpreted in the uh, right in the harsher reality world. Right, but uh, I want to point out a couple of things before I, I get back to this panel. One is this is the logo from Puck Magazine. Okay. Okay, and then notice up here instead of beware of dog, <laughs> beware of wife. Now, in terms of this, when you read the story. Here on the cartoon side, Maggie was throwing the dishes, but here, it's Jigs. Yeah, so now we're getting okay. We're getting real, right? There. How do you like to feel the spinning dish cracked against the skull that everyone thinks is so funny? How do you like the real effect of being of the club fist on the nose, which is treated so comically in the papers? And so you know, here is this you know real statement on what was going on here's with another violence yeah here's and you know what this is great because here's another context piece and we'll get into it uh you know in the rest we're doing joe mccarthy and things but yes, you, right. you mentioned the the comics code yeah and uh when the senate subcommittee hearings are happening the newspaper guys are trying to protect their sort of territory in such a major way yes. and pushing away from the comic books we right. are more sophisticated walt kelly talking about like Milton Kniff, yeah uh, if i if i if i bumped into a comic book man i'd, I'd slug him in the jaw for 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 putting out that kind of dreck even into the 50s like it would persist with um you would see those peanuts cartoons with with uh, charlie brown looking at the rack and the comics are all blood gore, yeah, right. sure, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. so this is kurtzman saying listen motherfuckers you guys ain't sterling right you guys aren't that clean, man. Uh, you guys do your yeah, fair share point. of bullshit. Right, and you know, consider all the racism in the Kniff and the Kniff strips. I oh mean, yeah, you can, you know, there's a whole bunch of things. So you're you're right, okay? That that this is also a reverse commentary on some of that testimony. And this was probably written. So if this was no, the November issue, the comic book hearings were April of this same year. So I bet that they were, that this was conceived between the end of the comic book hearings in April and you know sometime over the summer this was all put together in in response to exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I mean imagine the conversations happening in those EC offices. Bill yeah. Gaines famously didn't do well at those trials. Oh, no. <laughs> and then that comics code is almost designed for anti-EC comics. Yeah. So yes, it right. really is like everybody's against them. And I bet right. I bet there's a tense office setting there all summer. Right. I got to note, we, we always mention Marie Severin's colors, but they're so strong. Like Genius. turning this page, you know, it's such a, uh, you, you yeah, can really right. see 
somebody in control of their power. Well, and, and also, uh, I want to point out this yellow. This yellow was mm. very prevalent in the comic strips at the time, and it dates all the way back to the yellow kid. It helped give the page that pop. And okay. we and we look at uh, old stri strips with you, Warren, and you show uh, uh, the original Sundays and things. And uh, something about that yellow ink, it it doesn't get victimized by by ultraviolet light. Right. So that is like the, the ink that still pops as yes. as as bright as it ever did yeah. in you know eighteen ninety nine or whatever. I got to point out too. I, I love Kriegstein graphically, and you see these like square screens yeah. that he's cutting and just putting on. And it's not like he can't handle screens because you can see he's cutting out perfect plate yeah, screens sure. here. Yeah. It's yeah. the this style is a, of the era. A, a, a choice on his part, a graphic choice. Yes. And uh, I love it because not too many cartoonists are, are pulling graphically from the places he is coming from. Yeah, but what's interesting is like the UPA cartoons and stuff would be happening at this time. Yeah. And, th and that's when you would get, you know, a tree that's like Very a, a triangle yes. sponge of green with like yeah. a brown stick and stuff. So yeah. like that's, that's definitely indicative of all the other illustration that's happening in the culture at the time, uh, aside from comics. Right. He's bringing all of that elegance into his comics work. And I do also have to note that, uh, you know, Elder's getting less less pay this issue, it's, and Kriegstein's getting a little extra. So I yeah. wonder if it potentially could also be a function of Elder pulling some other work or something. But like, the economic realities of this is that to have a guy do half the strip means you're getting half half the pay, so. Right. I've never read anything as to how this particular story came about. I've, I've not seen anything in any of the interviews. There is uh, the, that one Wally Wood story where the whole page is white when the comic strip uh, gets destroyed, you know, it's like they're falling through panels and stuff. And I always wondered like, did Hollywood get paid for that, or, is that, or, is that, or, or was that a, or, or was that a uh, Bill Gaines uh, maneuver? I, w I will say that in X Men Grand Design, I, I have a, I got an extra page and an issue, and it's a whole white page, and it just says lettering says blink, and I got the full rate uh, yeah. for that. Nice. Oh, cool. <laughs> and then well, let's see how how this ends. So you know, all of his guys come over. Uh, However, the more serious moments I've been having lately, I, the thought struck me with money. I could buy protection against this thought struck me. I, um, I could buy bodyguards. The thought struck me. I could uh, stru uh, struck mags with a little help. And then, you know, and he hires his henchmen. Such a dark ending. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Such a dark, putting a hit out, essentially. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and bringing Kriegstein in to finish up, you know, now you've got both artists on the same page. And, and and by the way, I want to I want to point out this panel here. This is very very reminiscent of what McManus would do. He would always have one or two. Well, not always. A lot of the Sundays would have these one or two really dense panels with a lot of stuff, a lot of people going on. It, it doesn't matter, okay? And so th this is you know basically an homage to the complexity of what McManus was drawing in the Sunday strips. Yeah, I have so much of that stuff. You know, we've been sent to collections and just from my own, you know, I'll go to Ides when the big sale's going on and they have, they'll always have cool, cool reprints and stuff. They're so dense. Uh, they really are meant to be like read one a day, you know? Well, like, yes, yeah. yeah exactly. It doesn't work as when a When I found Copacetic Comics, Bill had a new collection of McManus, Bring Up Father, and that was one of the things he pushed on me, one of the first books I bought from him, you know, that he was hand selling is like, this is finally, you know, I've yeah. got this in print. And, he was happy to spread that around. Now, was this a, a large color reproduction, or were these black and white? It was a color reproduction. Yeah. You know, it was really nice. That was part of the sales pitch that he was giving. Okay. Was like finally this really nice, yeah. nice uh, collection. All right, now we get to my yeah. Okay, this is the perfect issue to cover with you. Yeah, exactly. So I want to give everybody some background. So literally at the same time of the comic book hearings were the Army McCarthy hearings. Yes. And basically, what happened was was that 
Joe McCarthy, the famous red baiter, who would go around saying, you know, there are, there are communists everywhere. We're going to bring them in front of Congress. We're going to, you know, throw them in jail. We're going to do all kinds of shit. And so what, what happened was, was Roy Cohn, who was the lawyer assigned to McCarthy, okay? And this is the same Roy Cohn who took a young Donald Trump yeah. under his wing to teach him all of the bad shit about what to do in New York City. Yeah, the other okay. the gray areas that you exactly. won't get in trouble okay. with. Okay, and so, you know, right there was like strike one, if, for those people who didn't know about Trump's early thing. So, Roy Cohn was a homosexual, uh, all right? And there was a um, private by the name of David Shine who'd gotten drafted, and they wanted to get him some preferential treatment, and the army was like, no fucking way, all right? And, uh, and um, McCarthy had already gone ahead and called and said, okay, then here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and have hearings on communists in the army. And and this was the beginning of the downfall of Joseph McCarthy. So with this private, like, are, are you saying that that's like Roy Cohn's friend or something? Like, like what, 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 what gets him special? Why, why, who cares about special treatment for this guy? Like, what makes him special? Well, this is what I was saying, was okay. that Roy Cohn asked the army to give give this guy I some see. special... I see. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Dig, yeah, you yeah. Know, date, this, and this guy's name, so let's let's turn this, okay? Um, uh, so we turn this and we go, what's my shine? All right? And the guy's name who, in question... Was Shine S C H I N E. I see. So, so uh, like the conceit of this strip is like, let's make those television Senate subcommittee hearings like uh, a TV event. So let's make them a little bit more exciting. And that, that's, and that's that, the general. That's thing. right. Yeah, and keep... what's my shine? So there was a there was a game show at the time called What's My Line. Yeah. And you would come on, and um, you know the, there'd be something about you. Like one of the famous ones was. The le- it was, he was the last living person who witnessed Lincoln's assassination. Jesus okay? Christ. And so this panel of three people would have to guess what this guy was, was Amazing. for. Okay. So, um, so that's what, what they're doing is, is they're layering this yeah. very Amazing. popular TV show on top of this very political thing. Amazing. Now, think about this, okay? They've already gone through this, the Senate subcommittee hearings, um, the juvenile delinquency hearings on comics, okay? The, the comics code is out there, and they still print this, okay? Mm-hmm. Right. And yes, making, right, yeah, it's both. It's scorched earth kind of stuff. It's scorched earth. Overt political statement, and, and this was after they did uh, Jack Davis's Are You a Commie Dupe, okay? The right. ad that ran in a couple of the, the comics. So this, to me, is significant because this is an overt political statement being done in the middle of a time where they've already been clobbered Sure. Because of the stuff that they've been doing, and and, and, and let's let's talk about other pop culture too. You know, the Hollywood Ten or whatever. The Hollywood right? Ten, like, like that had to be around this six, period. It's about six years before. So okay, 10. so so it is established that if you call attention to the ridiculousness of this, That's like right. they, they might point their laser beams on you. That. So they're really taking a chance here. Oh yeah, no, no, and and they're 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 basically parroting. They're 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 going after McCarthy in his own way, and you'll see you'll see later on in the story. Now I do want to point out that they do go ahead and um, parody different people who were actually part of the committee. So this is Everett Senator Everett Dirksen. Um, this is uh, Senator John McClellan, McClellan uh, Stuart Symington, um, and of course Lana Cheesecake. They threw that in to have the cheesecake in there. Okay, so. Um, uh, anyway, and here's McCarthy, and there's Roy Cohn. So that so that everybody you know everybody knows. 
So they are, so people who were reading this, and, and you got to understand, the people reading Man at that time were very politically involved. Right. Okay? And so they would know everybody. Yeah, it was monoculture, man. So yeah. you, you, you got probably less than three channels, because one of them will be fuzzy shortly. You got some radio, if you could get some signal. Right. Like, so you're all looking at the same stuff. Right, and so... This is so genius. I can't wait for the uh, payoff on that one. Yeah, so, um, you know, and McCarthy, and this is going after McCarthy, all right, which at the mm -hmm. time was not something that, you know, a lot of people did. He's basically saying, okay, so he's basically saying that uh, senators, that um, even Stephen is a redskin. And it shows uh, the senator here with a war bonnet and a bloody hat and a bloody axe, okay, and basically saying, oh my God, Mr. McCarthy, Mr. McCarthy, Mr. McCarthy, okay, this sensational piece of evidence leading me to conclude there is one thing to do at this point, this dramatic high point in our program where our televiewers are undoubtedly glued to their sets as never before, that one thing is go to commercial. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, TV is nothing if not for, you know, it's built to sell you soap. And the, and the faux commercials are always great, like like POW. Yeah, you know, sure. This yeah. coffee brand that they're uh, promoting yeah. everywhere in the station. Also going back to comics, it's such a perfect uh, piece in right. that regard. Like everything fits together flawlessly. Calling and, attention to reality TV of the, the future here with like televised environment. That's what that's I thought right. too. And especially yes. with the trials, like high yes. profile celebrity trials. There's our payoff, man. You know, it was, yeah. it was a doctored, you know, <laughs> cropped photo. Well, and, and think about how that's done now today yeah. with, oh, man, you know, with deep stuff, fakes, yeah. okay? So... So that you know they go th they go through this whole thing and McCarthy gets upset and he's like okay, the bottom line is this is mono a mono we're just going to wrestle this out, and um, the whole the whole thing descends into violence and this was the CBS logo sure mm. or that was broadcast on on television this is a special feature, and you can see all of the typical superhero bop bam biff um, you know all all of that stuff, so you know. To undertake this, and by the way, again, as it was with uh, Are You a Commie Dupe, this is Jack Davis. Yeah, of course. Okay, and he does this brilliant job with this, and, you know, there's no color, so it's all shades of gray. Yeah, it's duotone. Like a black and white TV. Yeah, it's a black yeah. and white TV. Page after page of black and white in a color comic book. A color comic book, right. And so you, you think about that. I can't, I don't think there was another, up until it went to a magazine, I don't think there was another full black and white. Right, yeah, there was a howdy doody, but they would incorporate... Some right. color, but once again, it was for the function of the story being told. It was a TV show. It was a TV show, right? But this is the only one that was all black and white from start to yeah. finish. Okay, in the in the whole run of the main comics. Another formal ex play. Yes, yes exactly. Us exactly. Using the medium of comics to its best effect for yeah. the narratives that are being told. And and so th this is two reasons. Okay, because and and I agree with your view of the bring up father story. Okay, no, it's great between. Elder and Kriegstein. It just, I mean, there's just so much there. Then this one, and then there's another surprise in this issue for that, that, you know, unless you have the issue, you don't know. We're going to be talking about Nepo Babies. Right. <laughs> Bill Gaines, a famous one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here's another parody. So there was a beer called Rheingold, and every year they had a Miss Rheingold contest <laughs> to see who would be Miss Rheingold. And so this was there. And by the way, you know who else parried um, Rheingold beer was Will Eisner in The Spirit. Mm. There was an entire spirit section that is his parody of Miss Rheingold. So w one day we should do them like side by side. That'd be fun. Okay, I, I totally forgot about that. And I... Great lettering by uh, Ben Oda, presumably, man. You're seeing a lot of different fonts at play here, man. He's doing a, a serif type typeset font. You got the kind of uh, signage lettering yeah, sure. being done right there. 
and even the photo setup, which we'd see Kurtzman do throughout his career, you yeah. know, tons of the, the, photo the, the Fumetti art stuff. Yeah, yeah, like that might be Gaines and Feldstein. Yeah, I was yeah. trying to figure out. Yeah, I don't know who that is, yeah, but that know. I think that might be Gaines. Well, and, and also look, they they even put they got Miss Potcold things, you know, yeah. put could on almost, the hands. Could almost see the Sharpie. Yeah, exactly. To make the orange <laughs> so here's the third reason that everyone should have a yeah, copy the, of this. The uh, comic that launched a thousand ships kind of thing, you know. Unbelievable. Yeah, think about the influence of, of this. And so here are the entries to the Miss Potgold contest by the one and only Basil Warburton. Mm -hmm. And you put these three things together, and this is why this issue to me is one of the great issues. Yeah, you know what? Like, we're, we're going to have to, when we do Mads, like, we're just going to have to have you with us, man, because you really supply great context. And me and Jimmy are just kind of having conjecture and, you know, the limited knowledge that we have of the era, but you, you're such a big help. So keep focus on uh, yeah. Philo Hedron right there, man. Wait a minute. Who, it says, Last name who just happens to be gorgeous niece of Mr. Melvin Potgold, <laughs> owner of Potgold Beer, okay? Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> Stacking the deck a bit. But this is also, this is primo Wolverton. Mm -hmm. yeah, oh, yeah. This yeah. is mm -hmm. just, you know. Um, and, that, that, you know, that's his function. Like, like he, you know, he's a drawer. And he did good comics. He did great comics. But Kurtzman just wanted him to go off, you know, like commissioned him to just draw some funky ass faces, man. And uh, those are reprinted in uh, the Mad uh, Artist Edition. And I think each of these bitches is extremely oh, really? big and, and really reduced in a big way. They're not all drawn on the same piece of paper. They're their own yeah. independent piece of paper. Yeah. He supplied his own paper because like we've seen some originals, man, and it has that stamp, the Strathmore 500 stamp. So he's using the best paper to uh, do his illustrations and stuff. And and all of this is brilliant. And and also just imagine being there in 1954 and you go, okay, you know, standard comic, standard, standard comic stuff, and all of a sudden this, Yeah. Right. okay. Well, some of these are like obscene, <laughs> you yeah, know, right. like you think about it for, for, for um, Wortham and stuff. They're like, oh, you can kind of see some sex organs in the shading on Batman's shoulder. Yeah, look and then you lips. got this stuff. <laughs> that one right there. And, and you know what? I will say of all of them, you know, she, 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 she is. Well, uh, she's, she's the most conventionally. Female, right, but Yeah, it's amazing. It, it really feels like, again, this is such a high level, you know, mm -hmm. like they've yes. just figured out everything that they can do with MAD right. is on display here. Yes, absolutely. And and here, you know, everyone has consumed all the pot gold yes. beers <laughs> and they're they're all drunk and you know, all the cigarette smoke in Amazing. the air and everything. And here you can get to vote. <laughs> <laughs> this page right here is fantastic, man. This is the era, you know, we're now 17 issues into into the comic. Uh, so many copycats right. are out exactly. there, including an EC copycat uh, yes. that they that was known as the Also Ran. It, it promoted itself as the Also Ran yeah. to to Matt, which is Panic. And this strip is parodied by Ralph Reese in the back cover of Bijou Eight. The great one where, where Kurtzman yes. does the front cover. Oh, okay. Uh, in the style of Mad. Yeah. And all the underground artists swap strips. So you're getting a Jay Lynch, Fabulous yes. Furry Freak Brothers and stuff. Anyone at home unfamiliar, we do have a video on that issue. It's one of our earliest show intels, man. It's a, one of my favorite underground comic. Uh, but he does his own version of this. And it's all the... Uh, anthology titles of underground comics so it'll be blah 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 bijou blah 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 mm -hmm. god knows uh yeah. and with all the iconic logos of those various uh and and this being done by the 
great Wally Wood. Yeah, and Ralph Reese was a, uh, a apprentice assistant yes, of yeah. Wally Wood. Such a great, I love this one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Good. Would say, and so I, your mad writer, hereby announce that there is no more material left, and that's why I'm going mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it's also great because it's also acknowledging all of these other titles that had come out at that time that it was like, oh my God, everyone's got to jump on the mad bandwagon. Yeah, and it's ballsy too, because like, cause like, you're basically saying like, yeah, we'll give them a little shine, but like, you know what the authentic is. And then, uh, in 19, I think it was in 1954, the Marlon Brando version of Julius Caesar came out. And so this is them going after Marlon Brando and... Um, trying to think who else was it was in that anyway so the movie had just come out so this was a very appropriate Kurtzman was very harsh on flicks uh through in that yes. he expressed a lot of that you know there would be strips where it's like here's the book version here's the movie version yeah, yeah. uh he he was very very harsh I, I do not think he was much of a film buff because and he would always talk about like the violence of the things right and here they you know back of course in the story it was it was a knife from brutus all right and then here they all break out machine guns and they didn't quite blow him away he looks more like swiss cheese <laughs> wait a minute i, I love i love this down here blast him again boyseth <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah a lot of that fake fake uh iambic pentameter talk this strip i think was reprinted in that comics by les daniels so this is like one of my early you know mad strips that i got to read and and here of course is a very hip marlon brando right it's almost the wild one and i don't know if do you guys know what this is this is the fasci that was from ancient rome that was used as the um signia of the mussolini fascists uh. okay the black shirts Right, so yes, it, it was Rome, but was also representation of fascist dictatorship. Right, Potts Rebbe. You never, you never get an issue that yeah, doesn't right, have doesn't Potts have Rebbe that. in yeah, it. Yeah. Anytime I think of this story, I always think the title is Shmulius Schmeiser because they mentioned that. <laughs> they mentioned the, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously, like that would be the natural title for, and they're kind of like, oh, we're not going to do that this time. And it's right. also a thing where you know, Shakespeare. It's like public domain yeah so, sure. so you can just call it what it is <laughs> yeah, rather than having to play around it's well, pretty cool to look and see how much wood is doing on these pages yes, considering yeah. once pay cut happens as he has to go on to other uh, other jobs in the future no, did a lot and, and known for a lot of shortcuts but here like you're getting that high page rates worth of wally wood effort on every one of these yeah. panels put, put, put this next to submariner versus daredevil <laughs> yeah right sure <laughs> With some interesting photo paste-ups and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Always great that. at the explosions. Yeah, and that looks amazing. Bombs. Always great at that. And and by the way, as we know, they also did a parody of Disney. And Disney, That's didn't, his... Disney didn't go after them. They went after Dan O'Neill, yeah. you know, a couple of decades yeah. later. You know, it, it's like sowing the seeds. So you have just that little glimpse right there. That's right. And then uh, Paul... Krasner will pick that up in the realist and commission Wally Wood like you know what how about a two-page spread and uh, let's have everybody get fucked and do some fucking and I think that's before uh, Air Pirates mm -hmm. yes, uh, yeah so yeah. and and they got away with that that was posters and stuff in those old that old Wally Wood book man they talked about Krasner has a piece in there and he's like I offered Wood you know 50 bucks or a percentage of the poster sales. He chose the 50. Hmm, I right. sold millions of posters. His whole life could have changed with that decision because right. he was very uh, cantankerous about pay and 
all that kind of stuff. Now, I'm, I want to point out some, some other parody stuff here for everybody, okay? So up here, no Mark Anthony, private eye, it is I who arrest you, okay? I am in reality Trick Dacey, which is, of course, <laughs> Dick Tracy. No, uh, I'm going to arrest you because I am Junior, who is from right. Dick Tracy. And then, no, I'm going to arrest you because I'm, I am Fearless Fostick, <laughs> which was Al Cap's mm -hmm. parody of Dick Tracy. And then they keep going through it, and finally, Little Orphan Annie comes out. Yeah, I wonder, is this like a Secret Agent at Corrigan or well, like one of those guys? You know, that looks like an Alex Raymond mm -hmm. or, yes, or an right, Al, yes. Al, Al Williamson guy. Well, the, yeah, because there was, um, well, Rip Kirby yeah. was going on at this time. Or okay. maybe that's uh, what, Bil Bilbo, what's his face? Uh, the the uh, Baldo oh, Smudge. Baldo Smudge, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, this is Marilyn Steve Monroe. Unbelievable yeah. what is in this issue. Yeah, well, and, and that's why, I, you know, th this to me was like the top okay fantastic okay. and w when you see the collage elements in like a kirby fantastic four or whatever they're like so smudged and out of focus and then we get these really crisp ones so i guess like it, you know their process was just smart i i uh, was listening to this uh that seven hour uh jim shooter interview that's you can find on the internet and he was talking about you know in the 80s help, help me out jimmy there was like some fumetti that uh marvel would do and you see jim yeah there's an entire issue of a, okay. of a marvel book so that issue uh went to the traditional chemical color plant separators who had to hand cut zipatones and he was like that is fucking stupid do you see there are magazines out there that have black right. photo or color photography you do not send this to yeah. hand separators who have to like make stats and then then develop dots and 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 create four different plates by hand you don't do that that's stupid that's dumb so like those are Marvel Comics, you yeah, know, right. like they're doing the same old, same old mm -hmm, from like uh, the 30s. with something like this. And we know what's going to happen uh, in about five issues from now. It's going to be a magazine. So like yeah, maybe right. you have different infrastructure and maybe because like the um, separations for this from from um, EC Comics is so much better than the Marvel DC Comics at the time. Maybe they were right, so... Yeah ostracized and exiled that they had to find their own color separation mm -hmm, house yeah. get more expensive just by well by and you necessity. see those guys go on to do their own magazine productions to work as commercial illustrators yeah um i even think of like uh having the the transcript of that argument about 3d with bill gaines like sure. it seemed like that's a publisher yeah, who's right. looking forward and thinking production right. mm -hmm. and, and conscious of these kinds of things right. we've said it before we've seen it in interviews where like things that are not done in comics but were done in magazines and then whenever an artist like neil adams would ask about it it was like Oh yeah, we can do that. <laughs> but it's like it never occurred to them on their own that, you know. Neil Adams was the guy that said, "No, we could do like you guys are using uh, the the rules of slick magazines and you print on toilet paper that's super absorbent. You could <laughs> you, you could do 200% of uh, inks on there. It's not going to yeah. slide. That ain't going to slide off anything." Yeah. Super fun to look at Warren. Yeah, I'll say. Wow. Uh, the more I think about it, man, every time you come we got to do a, a mad issue yeah. because you just you just have the context that Jimmy and I uh, do, just do not have, but let's get out of here. K Fabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. These videos are brought to you uh, in a number of ways. Uh, one of those ways is the Patreon that we have uh, going on right now. And if you're a King K Faber, you're watching us stream this live right now, and you have access to all the videos uh, that we post before anybody else completely mitigates the K Fab effect. But the vids are brought to you by the books that we make also. And 2023 is going to be a big year, man. Uh, for the 10th anniversary of Hip Hop Family Tree, we're putting out an omnibus. Uh, edition hardcover 
And uh, it's 125 pages of extra material that is not in any of the other uh, books. Man, I've been working really hard on that. Uh, there are four volumes of the big books of that out there. Two volumes, Red Room, are on the stands right now. And I have Crypto Killers uh, being solicited to your sh shops right now. So get those books while they're hot. Hit my link tree in the description below this video. You can get access to all that stuff. Jimmy, what do you got? Hulk, Grand Design, Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, and The Plain Janes are all available right now in print. You can pre-order Street Angel, Princess of Poverty, from Image Comics, that'll be out later this spring, and it'll collect the rest of the Street Angel comics that are not in Deadliest Girl Alive. You can also join me on Patreon.com slash Jim Rugg to see a lot more of my comics and original art, download out-of-print zines and mini-comics there. Tom? Pre-order I Am Stan, a graphic biography of the legendary Stan Lee. Uh, check out the Total Recall show, and uh, recently we did we I, I animated Alan Moore's uh, uh, Twilight of the Superheroes pitch added some animation to it. I think the first time anybody's done that, check that out. And yeah, uh, go to my Patreon, go to patreon.com and search Tom Scholey. Warren, you're going to be back in the summer? I'll be back. And we'll do some plugging then? Absolutely. All right, man, it's a deal. And we got to do an issue with Matt. Jimmy, what else do we have out there? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, stickers, hats, coffee mugs, and a lot more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video. Given those marching orders, Jimmy will be on our way. Read more comics.